You're listening to the podcast for grain merchandisers by grain merchandisers. Join us in our good humored attempt to serve as a voice of reason in an industry fraught with misconceptions and half truths. And now, from deep in America's heartland, this is the Elevator's Cut. Hello and welcome back to the Elevator's Cut. I'm Roger Gaddis. And I'm Jason Wheeler. And today we're going to talk a little bit more on the topic of the five anchors that create success in the grain elevator business. And so to give a little rundown of what those five anchors are, to jog all of the memories, let's uh, start off, Jason. What do we got? Okay, uh, first anchor that creates success in the grain elevator business. Number one is uh, you're able to identify opportunity in your trade area and beyond those subtle things. Anchor number two is get comfortable with all the tools of basis trading, having that key awareness. Number three, creating meaningful and productive relationships with your farmers, having a point of difference. Anchor number four, have a meaningful merchandising plan and taking decisive action. And last but not least, number five, go deeper in your organization. Who should know all of this stuff and get them learnt on that? Learnt, that's what we're all about. So today we're going to discuss anchor number three, create meaningful and productive relationships with farmers and identifying your point of difference. And as much as, you know, we would like to think that any supply chain in any industry is a seamless and integrated and, and happy-go-lucky place, or maybe we don't think that, but that's what we try to aim for, I think. Um, there is a segment of the grain business in different regions, different markets, where there really exists some um, less than productive and not so meaningful relationships between producers and uh, not just elevators, but in users in general, or anyone that buys their grain. Uh, the folks that really focus on this and make this a big part of their business do it well, and it's, it's a, it is a streamlined process. It is a great relationship. But this isn't always the case in the broader market, and we hear the stories from time to time of, of how these things um, you know, rear their ugly heads, so to speak. Yeah, I think the... The natural thing in any any other business and and uh, day to day life is we've got a buyer and a seller and we're trying to come to an agreement and we're kind of um, fighting over so to speak how high can I sell it for or how low can I buy it for and and we come to an agreement and um, and and that happens in, in pretty much every area of life where there's buyer and seller whereas. And, and that's true still also in the green business when we're talking about the spot market. Uh, once you're there, mm-hmm. that's that's just, it is what it is. But um, I guess it's different in this business in that a elevator is trying to buy a basis and not really concerned with the price, whereas the farmer, of course, is trying to get the best price he can, uh, sell the highest price he can in the instance of an elevator. So that it, it makes for a, a different. So I think one of the first things you have to do is there has to be some education 
uh, between buyer and seller to understand that this is not or doesn't have to be a a relationship where we're uh, you know adversarial. It, it's a education and it's a time component. I'm, I'm reminded uh, Jason and I and a couple other guys from the company went and did some Dale Carnegie training here not too long ago. And there was a, a gentleman in there from Canada and he worked for a company that dealt with rolled steel for the auto industry. And, and I just, the more he talked about his, his company and his role there, the more it was, it was like a nightmare. He, he was consistently every day woke up and he is just known I'm going to trade in the spot market today. And if my, my price doesn't get it, I, I don't, I don't work. There were, that was it. You could not do any kind of any kind of forward projecting or contracting or selling or any of this other stuff. It was strictly a numbers thing. I thought, man, that's got to be tough. That's, I mean, how do you, well, there's no point of difference there other than your price. You know, one of the great things for us in the grain business, at least for the basis trading merchandiser, is that we have basis to trade. And basis in itself as a function is, is ability to, you know, the elevator, the buyer to focus on one thing, one price signal and the farmer to focus on another and the end user to focus on another and they can match up. They can shake hands and work and get grain to move. Whereas, um, you know, the butting of heads comes when it's usually in the spot market and you're butting heads over basis on unpriced grain or, or all these other things. And, and there's things non-basis as well, uh, discounts and things like that that come into play. But, uh, when price signals are used properly and, and, um, understood and the education piece is there and time is allowed to happen. That's, that's when good things come about and relationships are solved. Very rarely do you hear of anyone saying, I established a good relationship with my customer in the spot market. Very, very rarely does that happen. In fact, it's usually the exact opposite. My relationship with a customer went south because of what happened in the spot market. You know, when I was down in, Louisiana had a, a guy that um, he get, he got on the the board the little co-op I was at, and I remember him coming in. He was kind of a curmudgeonly old guy, and he come in and kicked back and kicked his feet up on my desk and and uh, you know his first thing was me. He's like, "When does the perks start?" Like, what are you talking about? He goes, "Perks of being on the board. When does when does the kickback start?" I don't know. You, you know, the last manager might have been related to some of the people on the board. I am not. I don't know what you're talking about. And then we proceeded to have a conversation where he made the comment. He's like, well, no one's going to make any money on my grain. I thought, man, you're in a tough business, man. If you, who's, who are you going to sell your grain to if no one's going to make money on it? You know, it was anyway, it was just, I don't know if it's a lack of education or, or, or just his demeanor in general, but it was, you know, and you get that out there. No one wants anybody to make any money on them, although they expect, you know, the opposite for them on their side of things. And and I think it just it takes some work to build those relationships up. Um, like I said earlier, and things not related to price. When I went it, again, I was replacing the manager had been down there for thirty some odd years, and he had quite a reputation. And uh, the the running joke I found out getting down there was you know. Farmers would come in and say, well, where, where do the discounts start? And someone would say, oh, when you drive across the railroad tracks. You know, it was it was just that devi- de- divisive of a relationship there. And it took some uh, time to, to help kind of repair that and make it a, 
you know, not that way, not adversarial. I mean, what other business are you trying to be an adversarial to your customer in? On purpose, you know, and that's what the perception is. Sometimes all these guys are taking advantage of the other market participants. And, and the same goes to for brokers and, and speculators on the other side of the future. I mean, everybody's out to get somebody, right? And maybe this happens in other industries. We just know, you know, on the grain business because that's what we work in. But I'm sure it applies to other ags and maybe other things out there too. But um, it's very interesting the perceptions that different people have on these relationships. Yeah, the, the concept, and we hear it a lot, and, you know, having poor relationships with between farmer and elevator, it's a two-way street. It's not, it's not all, you know, just the farmers having a bad mentality about it. It's the elevators not doing their part, too. But we hear that a lot. We hear the there are farmers who, I don't want anybody to make any money off of my bush. So I, I want you to, I want your services, maybe. I want you to uh, help me. If it's a guy going direct, hey, I, I I do want to take part in your in your sale or because it's a little better or what whatever that is, or because you can actually get in right now because you have a contract and I don't, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Or or of course at harvest time, you know, hey, you should be paying what the river's paying or the processor or whatever. Well, that's who you sell to, you know. You're uh in the spot market, it is it is very difficult to to do that because you're a business that's there to make money if they want your service to continue to be there you have to 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 turn something of a profit uh and to keep the lights on so that's always been a uh, a tough thing and i try to think of other industries where you would see uh people say oh they better you know not make money off of me like you, you go to walmart or target or wherever you go and it's understood well there's a markup and they're making money off of this but I I want this product or whatever, so I'm going to buy it. Everyone knows they're making money. Nobody goes in there like, oh, I'm going to try to find a way to keep Walmart from making any money off of me today. Now, the, the one exception though is I was I was just thinking, what is um is buffets, of course. <laughs> I mean, every I mean that's the point of your buffet is I got to go in. So you, you got to think, all right, I, I'm I got to raid the meats pretty pretty hard. And I got to eat all I can. See, I, I'm of the opinion that, you know, the golden corrals of the world have invested all of their money in healthcare stocks. And they'll just, you know, they're, they're losing on the front side, but they're going to make it up <laughs> on the back side when everybody has to have high cholesterol meds and everything else. It makes so. sense when you see gravy fountains. <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, side note. Gravy and chocolate fountains are the bane of producer meetings. If you ever have to host one of those in a Golden Corral, especially in East Dublin, Georgia, it's a that sounds uh, like rough, a man. like a statement of experience there, Roger. That's how carpetbaggers do. <laughs> yeah, Ro- Roger being from Arkansas, well, we're both from Arkansas. We we don't really get called carpetbaggers. We call people carpetbaggers uh, at times, but. You got to have that experience in yeah, Georgia. Yeah, it's and it's this is gonna be fun. That hey, write it down, Randy. Can you note this on your Siri box over there that we're gonna do a do a podcast talking about highlights of producer meetings over the years. So. Oh, we got stories. That's gonna be good. Looking That'd forward good. to that one. So anyway, getting back to anchor three, the meaningful production relationship. The point of difference. Point of difference. That that's the the key 
takeaway here is what's your point of difference? You've got bins, your competitors got bins. You have a fast dump pit, hopefully. So today you've got scales that are legal. Hopefully so today you've got, you know, despite popular belief, you have a moisture meter that was built within the last 10 years that you can't turn a knob. And I mean, golly, you used to get, you know, Dickie John would send like once a year or something, it's just a sheet of code, computer code, where you'd have to go in and, you know, update some setting so that it stays, you know, where it needs to be on its set on its read it readouts. And I had one old guy, Charlie, to come in. He's like, yeah, I just over there turning a knob on that thing. I'm like, Charlie, come over <laughs> and show me where this magic knob is. I'll be happy to make more money off of you. But this is a computer coding thing. I And I'm not a coder. I just follow the instructions on here. It's not like I can go over there and twist the knob on the back. I've been told some of the old Steinlights did that. But, you know, so anyway, the, the, the perceptions persist a long time. You know, it's, uh, you know, no matter what it is, the guy with the, you know, tapping his cigar ash on the scale and all this stuff. It's, you know, the, the list is long of perceived, you know, grievances and maybe some real ones, but you know, point of difference. If we get back to the point of difference, what makes you different from your competition? And if you say price and that's your main thing, then, um, man, best of luck to you in the long haul. As far as the green business goes, the elevator business, that's usually not the path to, prosperity. Well, that's for sure. That, And another is not just price uh, that you're paying for grain, but people compete on their prices of their fees. Oh, mm-hmm. I'm only, you know, this, this many cents a month for storage. Is storage really what your farmers, do farmers make a lot of money uh, storage overall? I mean, sure. Hopefully the price rallies and they paid less in storage than the amount of the rally and the basis improvement and carries them. But Anyways, hopefully that worked out for them. But over the long haul, over a 10-year, 20-year, 5-year, it usually doesn't. They pay more in fees uh, than they than they make up. And the elevator definitely is worse off uh, because you, people think, oh, I, I, uh, I visited elevators that, that don't trade basis. Part of my job is to try and find people that need help, uh, in that area. So I'll talk with the guy and he'll say, you know, I make 18 cents a bushel, uh, overall, you know, storing and man, I, I couldn't, I could, how, how could people make it if they didn't get that storage income? Well, the basis income's a whole lot better mm-hmm. than that storage income. And, uh, and look, I'm not saying you can, overnight get rid of all the storage and price later that that guys do. I mean, that that's a part of the business. But the more you can get guys to understand the nature of your relationship and how you can help them, uh, which is what we're talking about today, the better off they're going to be and the better off you're going to be. And um, so anyways, I, I think uh, as far as point of difference wise, most people go into a place they sell, whether it's an elevator, it's your local competition, um, or it's the local big guy or not so local big guy, whoever they talk to and take their grain to, uh, what are they going to get when they ask for marketing help there? And what are they going to get when they talk to you? And is it different? And, and I don't mean different like, oh, they told me this article they found on Google about Brazil. And you've told me this article you found on Google about, um, that county in 
Northwest Iowa that is having issues or whatever. So that is, that's not a point of difference. Um, a point of difference is, hey, how can we we help you? Here's our goals. Here's your goals. And educate them to know, you know, folks in the grain business and, and on the commercial side understand how it's a complementary uh, set of goals, the elevator and the farmer. But not all farmers understand that. Uh, not even close to all farmers understand that. So helping them understand and helping get a relationship where, where you can help each other. I mean, that's how capitalism works. If you can't help somebody, you're not going to, you're not going to make money. Right. I mean, the last thing you want is your relationship with your customer to be price sensitive. Now we would never say to be out of the market when we say, you know, be the highest bid, but you're at the market, you're, you're paying what's, what's a, what's a, the going rate. That's fine. But you know, everyone else is paying that too, you know, so having your relationship hinge on the price is, is finicky at best. And you know, the point of difference that like you were saying a while ago, Jason, on the policies, policies get set in the name of competition or inertia a lot of times. And, you know, specifically on, on cheap storage rates and things like that. And these elevators will think that they're, they're going to entice bushels by being cheaper on their storage. And what they're really doing, they're sending a false signal to the producer to incentivize storing grain. Hey, if you'll store it, I will only charge you two and a half cents a month or whatever it is. And Which is probably a lot less than the value of that space because, and not to pick on the West, but this happens a lot in the Western Corn Belt and and, and wheat, hard wheat country. And we know what the carries and wheat's like. It's usually phenomenal. And to charge just a, a pittance per month on storage, you're given incentive to a pr- producer to put grain on storage that's not going to probably help him any maybe it will like you said maybe the rallying will make all that back up um but the elevators losing all their value space they're losing the carries they're losing the basis pop after harvest all this stuff so it's it's disincentivized hurting both parties actually i would contest yeah and and if you are going to compete on your storage rates and by compete i i don't mean um you know just being close to in line with everybody. I mean, everybody's got to, got to be in general and in the same area. Mm-hmm. I, but I'm saying if you're out there saying, Hey, I'm cheaper by a quarter cent or whatever, half a cent a bushel a month, that what bushels are you attracting? Are you attracting the, the folks that are proactive and want to sell ahead and want to maybe, you know, sell across the, the scales, what they haven't sold ahead and that sort of bushels, which are the bushels you make the most money on. Are you attracting those bushels? No, you're sending a signal that, hey, all you guys that don't like to sell ahead, don't like to sell harvest, like to wait and pay storage fees, bring them, bring them here. So you fill up with that stuff and you don't have room for the stuff mm-hmm. to make money on. And that's a, that's a, a lack of, of, uh, of understanding a lot of times. A lot of times these policies get set because of management or boards or, mm-hmm. or whatever that are a little removed from the merchandising side. And, and it's up to the merchandiser to help help uh, those layers understand what they're really doing. The the other side of that coin too, again, if we're, tr- if we're looking at how price reflects on relationship is, you know, what happens in the spot market, say at harvest, when you're at the elevator and your competition raises their bid a nickel, what happens? Well, now your customers are coming to you saying, oh, you know, they're down the road, they're nickel higher. Why aren't you? Well, you could sit there and do your blue in the face and say, well, because 
Maybe they got a contractor trying to fill and they need it or this, that, or that. I don't know why they're nickel higher, but now you're expecting me to, to match it. So what happens typically is you get enough of these guys come in saying this, you raise your bid a nickel, and now you and your competition both have bought the same bushels you were already going to buy or take in just at a higher price. Yeah. You're not getting new bushels from, from over there, and they're not getting more bushels from over in your area. It just raises raises the rate for everybody. So that's, again, that's the flip side of cutting rates is raising price. But are you getting bushels? Are you getting bushels you want to have in your space? And I'm not saying you're going to, you know, you got to take care of your customers, but you got to do so in a way that's beneficial to both parties if possible. And that is just exceedingly hard to do in the spot market. Exceedingly hard to do in the spot market. So maybe your point of difference is you're a guy or gal that goes out there and works for your producers ahead of planting time has marketing meetings with them, sits down with small groups of producers, has farmers' wives meetings, whatever it is. You know, we've seen a bunch of these things and they work really good, but getting the jump on guys, getting guys to focus on profit per acre instead of price per bushel, uh, working with their bankers, what, whatever it is that the other guy's not doing or that you can do better. You know, and it, it, you know here's the thing, Jason, is it, it doesn't take a lot to set yourself apart. It's just little subtle things that, that does that and builds that relationship and that trust. And then once you've got that trust, um, you know, it's easier to maintain than to start it, but fresh. Yeah. We're in a service business and you got uh, two things. I think you have to understand that your service is worth something. And the other thing you have to, you have to do is, is be, be worth the understand what that is. And then, and then, uh, and then drive that home, do your best at it. You know, the, I think a lot of people in the, in the grain elevator business will easily say, we talk about the spot market, how hard it is to compete. What about at harvest time? Boy, it sure doesn't, it's, that's sure not as competitive at harvest. If you're the only one open with the, the shortest line, you're closest to, you know, th- there's so many things more important than the three cents difference that you have or the five cent or the eight cent difference, you're still going to, if, if harvest is blowing and going, it doesn't matter. So just that there communicates that there are definitely other things more important than what your spot price happens to be, what your bid happens to be to the farmer. So boom, right there, we know we're in a business that there are things worth more than the price. So find out what it is and do it better. And then a lot of things we talked about are those things, mm-hmm. helping your farmer understand the business and uh, being, I've heard it said, a farmer should look at the elevator merchandiser as their access point to the market. You know, they can sell to you and because you are constantly in touch with all the buyers uh, touching the market and know the best place to sell, know the best logistic uh, option to get it there all that stuff. So they always have a good, a good access point to the market, the the best price you can get. And you're always working a, a base of sale and, and understanding that, Hey guys in the spot market is there's no margin in it. It's, it doesn't, you know, I'm not going to be a great service there, mm-hmm. but if you can give me time to work bushels mm-hmm. and understand, Hey man, I can, I can really do it for you. And, and, uh, and that, that goes for, any bushels, whether it's coming to your elevator or direct ship, sure. uh, especially direct ship. Uh, a lot of people have trouble understanding how can I be a value or a service, a direct ship? Oh man, 
you can be a, a big time service mm-hmm. and, um, and giving people that option. I know, uh, Roger, when you were at the elevator, you had, uh, guys that wanted to afford contract, but says, Hey, what if I could go somewhere and you would just give them the option in the contract? Right. It was just kind of inherent, you know, but we made it obvious like, Hey, you could book the green here at the elevator, but if harvest comes and you really want to use your truck and go sit in line in Springdale, Arkansas to dump it, you know, the poultry mill, then, you know, have at it. I'll pay you freight and a little bit of handling margin to go do that. It worked out great for me because that's less bushels I got to deal with at harvest and I've got a, a, you know, a margin built in my bid and I'm giving a guy what he wants. He wants flexibility to, to go and do and pick up a little more. Hey, great. Fantastic. But, you know, it's just understanding as a merchandiser what flexibility I can offer and not just understanding, but making it known to the guys what you'll do for them. And, you know, we focused a lot of this on the merchandiser, but it comes to all the personnel there. If you've got a turd working at the dump pit that talks down to people or, man, that 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 can affect things. You got someone that's sour grapes in the office talking on the phone, someone calls in or makes landlords mad or whatever it is. All of that adds up. All of that it's it's a little thing. So it takes takes. Uh, I, I learned this the hard way with an intern one year, and he he mentioned to uh, it was a, a producer's daughter, grown daughter who was married. Her husband was also a farmer. Different stations in life. You know, her dad was a big established guy, had been around for a long time, and her husband only been farming a few years. And so, as you can imagine, just just disparage or uh, difference in equipment and everything else. Well, this intern I had, he made the comment to this gal's husband, you know, it's like, ah, oh, yeah, I rode around with, with, uh, your wife in the semi when she came, went out to the farm and seen stuff. And she just kept talking about how it was nice to run her dad's equipment because it had air conditioning that worked in it and all that stuff. My intern told this to the gal's husband and he just, I thought he was going to quit doing business with us because it insulted him because his tractors were old and didn't have air conditioners in it. You know, it was just, you know, anyway, it, it, you never know what, <laughs> how these relationships can be impacted because it's humans dealing with humans. And, you know, Trigger so I had to do a lot of apologizing to, to, to all parties involved for his words. And he didn't know he was, you know, he was just making yeah. small talk, but anyway, it's a, uh, you got to have people that understand what they're doing and when they communicate what that message is and what the philosophy of your company is, you know, and taking care of folks and cherishing that relationship. And that's tough to do. That's an ongoing process. But the people that do it well reap the benefits of it, and not just for one year, but for seasons upon seasons. And you'd be surprised who your farmer customers talk to at your organization about uh, about general marketing. So, hey, what do you think the price is going to do? Hey, you know, that sort of thing to the guy at the dump pit. And, uh, you know, and then the guy at the dump pit, hey, he, he, uh, he came – 25 minute drive this morning and listen to ag radio the whole way. And, and he's, he's got a lot to say, you know, and it is not the message you're putting out in the office, but he's, he's doing it versus a guy that says, you know, I don't know what the price is going to do, but I know the, the guy that just dumped here was had a forward contract and he's a lot happier than you seem to be. (laughs) Maybe not, maybe not that condescending, but you know, that having this, a similar message. I think, you know, I know we're, wrapping it up here, but I think one of the ways that you, if you want to say, what's my litmus test for how good a relationship I have producers and the point of difference and do I bring something meaningful to them? Not the only way by any means, but I would say if you can look at your list of customers and you can within a few dollars name their 
where their cost of production is. I'd say you've got a big leg up on your competition. If you've got that kind of relationship where you know where they're at and what they need to be profitable and you're actively helping them do that, that's huge. You're helping them, you, you're helping them be, you know, find out. And people will be out there saying, well, you know, elevators are just trying to make money. Well, we are trying to make money, but you know, kill the goose that lays a golden egg. Maybe that's a, a bad analogy, but it is, you know, why would you sabotage your, your customers? And then that ruins your livelihood potential. So yeah. farmers know farmers come and ask, Hey, what's the price going to do or, and all that. And they know uh, that you don't know where it's going, but you need to have an answer. And that answer, like Roger said, needs to be, well, I don't know where it's going, but I know what it is right now. And that's all we can act on is what it is right now. And what does that get you? What's the result? And where does it need to be for you to make some sales? Mm-hmm. And, and target orders are, are gold. Yeah. So encourage you to find out what that is. Do a little digging. Talk to other people in your industry that do it well. Um, if you don't know who do it, does it well, email us. We'll tell you who does it well. We know <laughs> a person or two. So. Anyway, I think that is our non-exhaustive approach to Anchor 3. There we go. Well, that... That wraps it up for today, but we appreciate you listening, as always. And uh, so, for Roger, I'm Jason. For Jason, I'm Roger. Out. Out.